0: Hi, Damien DeMarcus from 100 Not Out here. MP? Yes, Damo? We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter The Journey of Me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, The Journey of Me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com.
1: Hello and welcome to well your next episode of Wellness moon Radio and we've got a pretty hot topic for you today. Uh, I'm Andrea and I'm Ashley and today we're talking about sugar. And this is something that is so relevant to everybody nowadays. Um, You cannot turn on the TV or open a book or a magazine without hearing about quitting sugar, getting off sugar, um, or, you know, that it's okay. And we want to debunk some of these myths today. And we want to really look at, is it okay? How much is okay? And why are we all so damn addicted to it? Uh, Because that's, you know, not something that we can argue because we know that we are all big time sugar addicts. Uh, I know that I have certainly experienced that, hey, but we could be sugar addicts in denial. So,
0: uh, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. going to be what we're talking about today too, because I, I really think that, um, a lot of people, simply don't understand how serious uh, the issues of sugar attachments are in the way we choose foods and why we choose foods um, they may have subconsciously not even know that there's an addiction process involved as to why they choose certain things at certain times of the day so our lovely listeners we're going to share with you today um, you know and answer that question sugar really that bad for you So for anyone who's in Australia, hopefully by now you guys have um, really seen a film that's come out recently called That Sugar Film, and that's also backed up by a book, That Sugar Book, very blunt title, and that's with the uh, Australian actor and film producer, Damon uh, Gamow. Now... You've also probably heard of Sarah Wilson with her I quit sugar. So this is all out there in the media. There's huge amounts of um, sales on these books as well. Um, Sarah Wilson's was a, a new bestseller, so that means that uh, a lot of people are interested in this topic. A lot of people want to know more. Um, and we really need to find out: well, what's the big deal? What's happening? So, Andrea. What would it look like if you're addicted to sugar? What would it uh, what would it be? How would you know if you've got a tendency to to be attracted to sugar?
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into that and I can certainly speak uh, with first-hand experience here. And the classic uh, signs is you know that little energy dip mid afternoon between 2 and 4pm it's kind of that witching hour where you will get jittery, your energy levels will drop, you will want to tackle someone for the snickers bar that they're holding um, and that's typically the most common time of the day when people are craving sugar and then after dinner as well um, If it, for me it would be I would come home from seeing patients and I would literally not stop eating from the moment I got home until the moment I went to bed and and I could quite happily polish off an entire block of chocolate in that time. Um, you know, mind you, it was organic, um, you know, fair trade <laughs> chocolate. But that's how I justified my addiction as well.
0: And that's a big honest admission there because for a lot of us, we, we hide those, you know, um, tendencies to have cravings for things. Or, you know, in my case, chocolate's hidden in the back of the cupboard just so I can't see it. Mm-hmm. But I know it's there. And so I also know when and how to get it now for anyone else who has, say, for example, a bottle of alcohol in the back of the cover, and you're trying to quit alcohol, you know, for, well, you're going to fail because you know, it's there. And yet yeah. I don't take the same approach with chocolate and uh, it's still hiding in the back. So like you, I have definitely struggled with this concept of going, I know sugar's bad for me, but I don't want it out of my life because it's serving a greater purpose right now. And we need to talk about what that greater purpose is, what is going on and why do we need sugar? And why do we feel emotionally connected to either chocolates or sweets or sugar-based foods? And there's really an important historical background to that as to why we're geared towards
1: a reward system on, uh, on sweets, isn't there? Yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, sugar from its inception has got a pretty dirty history because I'm sure all of you are aware, this is actually what started the slavery movement. Um, you know, how long ago was it? Um, sure, 16th, starting
0: back in the 16th centuries, but uh, certainly slave labor was a way to get more sugar produced. So you needed to have more space to grow more sugarcane. And you need more people to f- man the fields of growing more sugarcane, and there that's was what brought them all over from Africa, which yeah. is absolutely devastating. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely a big the Atlantic slave movement happened because primarily of sugarcane. So because it was that um, that commodity that that they needed, and it was that luxury item. The rich um, and wealthy. It was a exclusive for the rich and wealthy back in the sixteenth seventeenth centuries. So
1: that's changed a little bit, hasn't it? Now, it is actually this high consumption of, you know, the highly processed refined carbohydrates in the lower socioeconomic um, communities that are, have a higher addiction rates and health effects than what we see in other. Because it's um, easier and cheaper to get. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So look, I'll just going backwards a little bit
0: uh, into the history there because I think it is relevant to understand, you know, why you know, it's not as simple as saying, I just quit sugar if it was that simple, we could all do it. You know, we can't just quit things when they're inherently part of our society and our culture because it's a big global normal around that consumption issue. So, I mean, coming back, we'll go into the 70s quickly because in the 70s is really when all this began. Um, There was a shift away from a... Uh, food pyramid essentially that said go low fat no fat and that's when the diet food revolution happened that's when they started stripping out fats out of foods and supplementing in sugars because hey it uh, it changed you were low fat now so you're gonna lose weight and from that point onwards uh, health has gone downhill big time fast Rates of diabetes, cancer, heart disease, liver disease—everything has just gone up and up and up—and we
1: now know it's not because of fat. Yeah, absolutely. So fat is definitely not that four-letter word um, that that we have, you know, thought it has been this whole time. And what we're actually realizing now is, is actually the sugar content that is causing that health decline. And actually, if we look at, you know, if we bring it forward to today and look at more relevant times, we are completely enculturated into creating food particularly sugary food based rewards um, you know what's the what do we do when someone does a great job at school or they win a sports carnival or you know we've had a great day in the practice of the office um let's go out for ice cream let's uh, have a chocolate bar let's go for cake and the reverse as well if we've had a crappy day it's the exact same response as well um you know if anyone's ever watched sex in the city you go through a breakout you sit there with a tub of ice cream that's cultural. What we've been led to believe that is normal. That's how you cope, or that's how you reward as well. Yeah, and if you know if someone's
0: suffering the signs of you know PMS and, and premenstrual symptoms, generally people will like be like, man, you you need chocolate, or she's turned into a bitch face. You really need to you know eat
1: something now. Um, Do you know women consume 275% more refined carbohydrates? If they experience PMS or premenstrual syndrome uh, symptoms, so they 275% more in that premenstrual time, so the week or two leading up to their period, than what women do if they don't have PMS. Okay, that why is that? A- Boatload of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. But why? Why? Why do we think that is? Because of the hormonal imbalances and yes. that drive for you know the refined carbohydrates and because of the effect that has on the brain. So they're trying to, in you know, with their their body's half knowledge of what it's looking for, balance their serotonin levels, which is that feel good, happy neurotransmitter, and they're sort of looking for something that will do that for them. At the same time, chocolate has a little bit of magnesium in it, um, can help with some of the symptoms of associated with menstrual cramps and all that sort of thing so the body's looking for magnesium but doesn't know how to ask for it and so it's like oh let's have chocolate craving <laughs> so it's a form of relaxation yeah, almost yeah. in the sense that the uh, time we need to be relaxing most
0: to allow that um, changing in our body then that's when we start to seek foods that create
1: some relaxation or mental de-stress essentially and the paradox is that the more sugar you consume the worse hormonal havoc you will have, which will lead to further more severity of PMS later on down the track. And that vicious cycle will just continue. So how much sugar is safe then? Well,
0: I mean, when we start to talk about, we know it's not great for us. We know that we've been geared and wide thanks to, you know, movies like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory um, and lots of other things in our, you know, today-to-day side in culture that says sugar, 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 you know, billboards with signs of ice creams, Magnum, and all these sorts of things. It's all around us. So then the question is, is a little bit, okay. Cause you know, the, everyone sort of says, oh, everything in moderation, a little bit's not going to hurt you. Um, oh, it's not that bad for you. If you have a really good diet and you do lots of exercise, it's not such a big deal well how much is safe and so i think we have to talk uh, well global science there the world health organization who have um, determined that 25 grams which is equivalent to about six teaspoons of sugar a day is the upper limit for an adult now i don't even have a statistic for children i haven't found one so then my question is obviously body weight size ratios i'm got to assume that children have got to be a lot less than that so we certainly hope
1: so yeah um i think that that should also depend on whether or not someone has an addictive tendency to sugar because if six teaspoons, and that actually sounds like a lot. Does that sound like a lot to you? If I had to eat six teaspoons out of a jar,
0: yeah, that would not, I don't could do of eating chicks. <laughs> yeah. I would just, just wouldn't put six teaspoons in a cup of coffee or something. Like it just wouldn't even factor into my head. So it's that all of the, the sugar that's just in our foods that Insidious. we're unaware of. Yeah, absolutely. certainly it's in everything and I mean, just to frame that, you know, we're talking about 25 grams or six teaspoons of sugar, um, a single can of Coca-Cola. And I always refer back to there because it's just a standard normal. A lot of people understand what a can of Coke looks like, how much it is in that there's 39 grams of sugar. So you're blowing your limit. Plus yes, more for the day. Plus <laughs> some. So if you consume a single can of Coca-Cola in a day, that is above and beyond your daily recommendation or requirement for sugar. So, you know, now we start to see just how big an issue this is because a lot of people to drink a lot more than one can of Coke a day. And it's not just Coke. It's soft drinks in general. I mean, there's the the old saying that the Fanta's got more sugar than Coke. Um, back to why Coke even has sugar in it. It's hard. High- some salt that's in it and the salt is what makes you thirsty, what's what makes you drink more. And that's why Coke needs so much sugar in it. So, you know, the, the roundabout behind the food science, um, there is an industry there that's geared towards selling products that have sugar in it. It's money, it's finance, and it does not want us off the hook. We need to be on this, sugar trail as of addiction because it's got a bigger picture at
1: play here. And that's usually company profits. You know, the scary thing is that the food industry has taste institutes that find what they call a bliss point In food. So it's that point that makes people crave that particular flavour, and it's always sugar, um, to the point where they will become heavier users and they will create more stomach share. And that's actually the terminology that the food industry uses around these taste institutes. So they're looking for that the list point and so coca-cola has obviously established that really well um, oreo cookies are now if you've seen any of the latest research are being geared at uh, they're the most addictive substance on the planet <laughs> oreo yes. cookies yes um and they were shown and i mean these these are all animal studies in rats but the oreo cookies are more addictive than cocaine and heroin That is horrendous.
0: Yes. So this study showed that cocaine addicted rats, when given a choice between a Oreo or cocaine, went
1: for the Oreo. Cocaine addicted rats went for the Oreo. Yes. That is amazing. Incredible. Um, Apparently it's 10 times more addictive than, than the cocaine. And it lights up the exact same pathways in the brain as it would in heavy drug users. So this is why it's such a huge problem because... Before you even know it, you're an absolute drug addict, but the drug is sugar. Which is normal, isn't it? It's not considered
0: a hard drug. We don't treat it like we do with alcoholism or drug addiction. It's still just considered day-to-day normal life that we have it in foods. So this is where we need to create the brain shift. This is where we need to start to say, it's not okay. You know, we're really kind of going to start to go there now because I think if by now you're starting to get a picture that we're obviously on the anti-sugar trail, yes, we are. And there's a good reason for that because it's damaging health. It's damaging lives. It's shortening lives. And there are, I mean, there's just so many things that are connected to these harmful effects that, I mean, I'm going to give you a depressing rundown just simply because when you know this stuff, you either have to consciously choose a blind eye and stick your head in the sand or you shock yourself into like acknowledgement that it's a real deal and you're going to do something about this. And I really hope it's the second that's that you're going to get shocked and do something because that's our goal with this podcast. We want our listeners to go out there and, and just for one day go, wow, this does not work for me. I need to change because I want my life to be better than where it is right now. And we believe that's what
1: you want. So and just to help you identify that this is actually a problem and to give you that information. And I really think that sugar should be seen or considered just as dangerous as those hard drugs, you know, heroin, cocaine and alcohol kill people. But at the same time, there were 80,000 people in, and uh, you know, my stats are from the U S because I couldn't find anything um, equivalent in Australia, but you know, it's fairly comparable anyway here. 80,000 people in the U S had limbs amputated last year associated with complications with type two diabetes, because a doctor told them, if you do not get off this bloody sugar, you're going to die or you're going to lose limbs. And they said, yes. Okay. They understand. They go out and they eat their refined carbohydrates. It's killing them. It's just as dangerous and just as addictive as hard drugs.
0: Yeah, and it's not just, you know, the diabetes we're talking about, you know, you've, your dentist has already told you don't have sugar, it causes tooth decay because it changes the acidity of the mouth and it changes the way in which the enamel and the teeth respond. So, you know, you're looking at cavities, you're looking at this consistent, insatiable hunger,
1: thanks to ghrelin. So you want to just explain that a little bit, Andrea? Oh, yeah. So just in 2009, they figured out that leptin, which is the hormone associated with Sadie, so that's the hormone that kicks in and says, hey, we're full, we can stop eating. They couldn't figure out what was creating leptin resistance, so meaning the cells were becoming uh, less sensitive to its effects. So leptin was kicking in, but our body wasn't hearing the signals. So we would keep eating and keep eating and keep eating, because we didn't have that Sadie switch, it wasn't kicking in. And it wasn't until 2009, so this is really recently, that scientists figured out the resistance or that, that switch that's being flicked is caused by sugar. So that's what's creating leptin resistance. So it you know, it stops your brain from hearing the signals that you're full, and you will keep eating. You know, and, and it's exactly why I would get home from work and eat from the moment I got home until the moment I went to bed. Uh, studies in rats have shown that if they um, flick that leptin switch, they will not move from the feeding trough unless they move the food <laughs> and, and this pres- all day long. Yeah,
0: presents a huge problem for weight control. Um, and this is where sometimes you know, as much as we all like to say, well, that person's obese because they ate too much, it's their own fault. I hope now you're starting to realise that some of those um, prejudices we hold against people who maybe aren't able to do what they you think they should be able to do. Now you start to see why there's a chemical imbalance happening. There is addictive components to this and it's just not as simple as saying stop eating food eat less move more you know get off your ass get off the you know the couch if it was that simple i promise you there is a whole lot of obese people who would do that it's not for lack of trying it's
1: simply for lack of knowledge on this particular topic i believe the biochemical drive for sugar is insurmountable so you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. I mean, there you go. So then you've got weight gain. Of course, it's not just the sedentary lifestyle. It's clearly the fact that not all um, calories are equal. You know, 10 calories from sugar is not going to be processed in the body the same as 10 calories from fat. So you know, once one's burnt, one's stored, there's a very big difference in how that happens. So, you know, and this is where that sugar film came into it. And it showed him change metabolically and physically and structurally just by changing his foods, but not changing the calories. And in the a really calories short amount of
1: time, which was really scary. 18
0: days. Yeah. And he had fatty liver um, syndrome. So, yeah. So now that we have, you know, people being diagnosed with fatty liver disorders, um, how many of those people, and this may be some of you guys listening to this as well. Actually, don't have problems with alcohol, or don't drink alcohol, and then you ask the question, "Well, hang on, if I'm not an alcoholic and I don't drink alcohol, how can I get fatty liver symptoms? And why is my hormone chemistry so off, and why are my blood work's so off?" And you might start now to see the picture that it's the uh, yeah, the metabolism of sugars that can be really mucking around. So you know, creating things like insulin resistance. I mean, symptoms of insulin resistance include fatigue, hunger, brain fog, high blood pressure. Were you sitting there just now listening, thinking tick, tick
1: to any of those? Because so let's, you- uh, let's just backtrack a tiny a little bit. So insulin is the hormone that's released from the beta cells of the pancreas. So it's released in response to glucose going up in the bloodstream. So, you know, you eat your cupcake and your body releases insulin. And what it does is it acts for a key that unlocks the cell that allows the glucose to go in to be used for energy because the cells need that. So that insulin resistance, when the glucose is too high, we're eating too much sugar and crap. Uh, that insulin resistance is the key, cannot unlock it anymore because the cells are tired. There's too much there and they can't hear again that, uh, that response from the insulin, um, which is, yeah leads to the metabolic syndrome, the precursor to diabetes, um, this um, idea now that we're calling diabesity, which is a full spectrum of anything from, you know, just having a little bit of uh, love handles or your muffin tops all the way down to full-blown metabolic syndrome or diabetes. One in two people have what we term that diabesity. So, you know, pretty much half of us are already on our way to full-blown diabetes
0: and ladies how many of us are struggling what what areas does the fat sit and hold you know it's around the hips it's around the belly um you know upper thighs these are all sort of sort of areas that suggestive that um, your metabolic balance is not right and really start to look now dietary wise of the foundation of the diet and what's going into it it's not just your calories you know your lean cuisines are fantastic but it's also how many calories from what? Fats, carbohydrates, and um, protein, and that's the balance we, we really need to assess and determine what's right. You know, you're looking at you shouldn't be getting more than ten percent of your daily intake is sugar. So you know, ninety percent has to be coming from from fats and proteins, and that's not the case for most people. Carbohydrates are all the
1: plate uh, at dinner time. And the more you have, the more you want. It's that vicious cycle. Um, Too much sugar will also uh, lower your libido. So last week we talked about, in our Secret Men's Business podcast, about sex drive. Yeah, yeah. so it actually lowers testosterone, um, messes with your human growth hormone balance, um, absolutely affects your stress hormones as well. So if we, again, eat that cupcake, our um, blood sugar levels spike just as quickly. They will drop below what is, you know, a good level for most people. And that's when they get hangry, (laughs) you know, everyone's getting irritated, angry. And it's usually the guys that are, uh, have road rage or getting annoyed when people are cutting into their lane from that point, cortisol. So that stress hormone kicks in because it's got to bring our blood sugar levels back up to normal, which then robs the body of some of the other hormones that's used to make it. So for women, it uses progesterone as its building block which then drives estrogen up. And so adds to that estrogen dominance epidemic that we have. And again, it's a hormone disruptor. Yeah. And you've touched on the fact as well, you just mentioned, you know, like
0: road rage and, and being hangry. And that's huge because this is associated, you know, um, high sugar loaded diets is associated with cognitive changes and there's some new studies in science starting to show that there is even the chance it's been connected with Alzheimer's disease. Now, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of science that's still got to come out. Researchers are currently investigating all these questions, but even if there's a potential association um to the early onset of Alzheimer's or dementia, I think that that's you know a risk that I personally am no longer willing to take now that I've I mean, I'll be really honest with you. Doing the research for having a chat to you guys today has actually flicked something in me that's suddenly become almost um, alarmed. That I was slightly flippant about this idea that a little bit moderation, everything's okay, all in moderation. And then I started to look at some of my behaviors around sugar when I want it, how I want it, hiding it in a cupboard. I mean, clearly, they're, they're signs of addiction. So Just ask questions about, you know, are you actually addicted to sugar? Let's just ask you four really simple questions because this is just to find out whether the clevering marketing since your childhood has worked as magic on you as well as it has for me and obviously yourself too, Andrea. So, look, are you addicted to sugar? Answer these questions. Number one, do you struggle to walk past a sugary sweet without wanting to just have just one or a little piece or half of or a few? You know, because if you do and you've answered yes. That is an addictive behavior. Do you have routines around sugar consumption? For example, always having to have dessert after dinner or needing a piece of chocolate when you're in front of the TV to relax as part of your routine, it's a ritual. Um, What about other times when you feel that you just can't go without a sugar hit? Like it's 3 p.m., you have to have... Your sugar fix whether it be a, a chocolate bar or something sweet or a cake or, or a treat because that is an addictive behavior and that is a sign that your body is not regulating your blood chemistry correctly in a way that's going to prevent this addictive behaviors and of course then if you were let's just put it out there hypothetically let's assume you've quit sugar because if you ever tried to quit sugar you will nod your head and laugh because this is one of those things if you are forced to go without sugar for 24 hours Do you start to develop mood swings, moody behavior, and possibly headaches as well? Because if you do, that's a clear sign again of addiction. So now that we know that uh, you may have answered one of those tick boxes, I'm assuming if you're listening to this episode, you have a curiosity that you might be somewhat addicted to sugar and you want to know how to crack that sugar addiction, then we're going to answer that now. And we're going to give you some really great tips and tricks as to how to help you overcome or substitute
1: foods in and out so that you can make it easier with your choices. Uh, One last thing that I want to add to that is that for me personally, I would create activities around the sugar that I could eat just to allow for that. So for example, I used to go to the movies just so I could sit there and eat an entire giant bag of lollies. And so I had to identify that and stop it. And I've now been three years, 10 months in one day without lollies. Incredible. um, Because, I had to do it. I couldn't say, Oh, just have it in moderation because I would go watch stupid movies that I wasn't even interested in just to justify that behavior. Interesting. And how many of us go to the gym just
0: so we can catch up with our girlfriends and have coffee and cake after. (laughs) Um, and you feel justified. You feel validated that I've already done the workout. So this is not going to cause it. But the reality is not the calories that it's killing your diet, you know, program. It's the sugars that are coming in those calories. So let's talk about some solutions because I think you guys get the drift now. We are really not cool with this idea of consuming a whole lot of sugar. We really do support these movements from, you know, people like that sugar film from Sarah Wilson, from all the scientists, the researchers, the doctors. I mean, there's an amazing man. Um, He put out a book in 1972. He was at. A scientist, his name was John Yadkin, and the crazy thing was he was vilified by all the scientists at the time because no one would support him because he was going up against the huge industry. His book went underground, and it wasn't until uh, basically 2009 that a American scientist, uh, Professor Robert Lostick, he was the one that was talking about um, how sugar creates these addictive behaviours and what sugar is really doing to us and how that happens. And he produced a book called Sugar: The Bitter Truth. And I mean, it's these guys that have started to push this movement of getting rid of sugar. And I really hope that that keeps rolling because it's so important now and it's clearly causing health problems above and beyond what a lot of other things are doing, like speeding in your car
1: or what I mean, some of these other things that are lower down on the death list. What else is there? I mean, well, uh, deaths related to diabetes is number seven in the world. So the seventh leading cause of death. And uh-huh. heart disease is higher. Yeah, exactly. and it's all Which connected to associated. dietary lifestyle. Yeah, uh, cool. Pretty scary. Uh, two hundred forty-five billion dollars was spent in two thousand twelve in the U.S. related to diabetes. Crazy. That, uh, and that's, Australia won't to be too far behind those car uh, stats as well. Scary. All right. So how do we how do we get off it? Um, let's start with the food, okay? Because we need some swaps. We need to stop that that witching hour. <laughs> Uh, So what can we do, you know, mid afternoon, you know, that about three o'clock, you're going to be going and reaching for that chocolate bar. So instead, I really love clean protein. So, you know, good handful of almonds, um, some salmon, some leftover, you know, chicken from the night before, something like that. Um, Veggie frittata, you know, um, you can have some great sort of
0: egg protein through there. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. It's really about having a lifestyle that allows you to have the right snacks on hand when you need them, isn't it? And it's just knowing that you're going to get the craving. You know you will. Uh, We all know we do. And it's just making sure you have something nearby. I mean, even just taking a boiled egg to work and, you know, eating that in the early afternoon, it doesn't seem as glamorous as the chocolate bar, but sure as heck going to be a whole lot healthier for you. And it's going to help you overcome
1: the sugar uh, addictions, the sugar cravings. Good fats, so you know your avocado, grass-fed butter. Um, again, you know salmon, nuts, seeds, all of that sort of thing um, has really been shown to help flick that that switch um, with sugar uh, because of the omega three fatty acids is really great for sugar cravings. Um, what else have you got on your list? Oh, look, I mean, just it's. It's not easy to go gluten-free,
0: sugar-free, you know, processed food-free. It's really not. But if you start just by making some small transitions in your food habits, you're going to get closer and closer towards your end goal, which is going to be a healthy, happy, well-balanced, harmonious, well-connected life. And I hope that's what you want because it's certainly what we want for you. I mean, Mm. to avoid processed foods, that's really the big one. You know, if it comes in packets, if it comes in, in containers, it has to be preserved with something. We've talked about this before. It has to be sugars or it has to be salts or it has to be some other form of preservative, none of which are really that good for us. So, you know, if you can just start from the basic idea that stuff in packets has to have some form of preservative to hold it to last, then guess what? It's not going to be right for you. So start with whole real foods. As bland as boring that sounds, that is the absolute truth and the absolute solution to getting your diet and lifestyle on track. You know, one's healthful, the ones designed to make you feel fabulous and energetic and sleep well, and you know, vibrant skin, glowing face, radiant eyes, like all these things we credit with vitality and health. I guarantee you those people you see with those characteristics they are not caught in the spiral of sugar addictions and things like that. Because these things show up in our vitality. They they just uh, present in all sorts of ways, skin clarity.
1: It's, it's always there for us to see when you start to notice it. And it will happen, you know, that addiction is really hard to break. The first few days are always the worst. Yes. But it does get easier from there, and your taste buds will readjust as well. And then, you know, like a, a beautiful apple will taste amazing and so sweet and so nourishing. And if you went back to say a lolly or a chocolate bar it would taste so chemical to you after having a bit of a break from that um one little swap that i love is organic black coffee has been found to be a potent opioid receptor antagonist which means it blocks the addiction pathway of the sugar. <laughs> okay. I mean, so coffee, obviously caffeine so caffeine's has, one it's, has thing its own, and, yep. uh-huh. um, but you know, as much as I, I love my, my black coffee, um, that can be something to help you get over the first few days of that sugar addiction, um, definitely don't have it in the late afternoon. It will be way too stimulating. will keep you awake. And we don't
0: need it as a new substitute for uh, <laughs> one addictive characteristic to another addictive characteristic. Yep. So
1: yeah. I but... just loved reading that study though. <laughs> um, psyllium fiber has been shown to help reduce blood sugar levels and sugar cravings, which can be a really great thing. Remember, if you increase your fiber, you've got to make sure you're drinking plenty of water with that as well. Yeah, so that's a great one. So that's when you get to eat more veggies, drink yeah.
0: more water, um, get more sea greens into you. So the minerals and vitamins that come out of seaweed and sea vegetables are fantastic to help uh, again regulate the the blood sugar balances Um, and you really want to boost your serotonin at a time when you're removing this addictive chemical from your dopamine receptors which is your happy hormones making you feel good that's why you have it so you need to have a sub in to to boost up your serotonin and that's where it comes down to raising your um, serotonin naturally through your exercise behaviors having a good sleep ritual go back to episode 2 we talked about sleep why because it's all about brain chemistry Um, Um, and of course, you know, some of those foods we've just mentioned, they also help to, to regulate serotonin. So
1: you're less likely then to have cravings and attraction towards sweets. you mentioned exercise which is fantastic especially weight-bearing exercise for people with insulin resistance so remember we listed some of those symptoms associated with insulin resistance earlier what weight-bearing exercise does is it stimulates glute 4 receptors which allow a new key in the cell to unlock to allow the you know the the sugar in to be used as energy so it's creating a better pathway for that Um, and walking after dinner will help lower your blood sugar levels and decrease those cravings so if you're prepared enough and you know that you have sugar cravings, you want to go for that, you know, ice cream or that bar of chocolate after dinner, go for a walk instead. Um, I know it doesn't sound nearly as glamorous, but it will have the same effect um, and, you know, a great endorphin release in a much healthier way than would eating that chocolate bar. Fabulous. And definitely
0: as well, um, meditation, then it's shown toward off cravings. It's shown to reduce stress and really interesting. There's a study. It's just come out 2015 at Harvard Medical School, and they were looking at how meditation not only had the power to reduce stress, but it actually changes the brain by increasing gray matter um, in the auditory and sensory cortex. Now, stress creates hormone cortisol which increases your blood sugar mm-hmm. and again stimulates cravings and it's a really vicious cycle that damages your adrenals and creates sugar cravings. So a short meditation before meals can actually help to relax you in a way that allows you to digest your food better and absorb nutrients better as well. So for awesome. those that love meditation who are already doing it, try a two to five minute meditation before your meal and you may find that will actually help you to uh, be a little bit more conscious with your eating and also reduce cravings associated with uh, with the sugar
1: addictions. Yeah, great. Um, let's talk about supplementation just quickly because those sugar cravings can be so intense that yeah, you'll definitely want to tackle someone for that snickers bar. Um, chromium is amazing. It's a great. Uh, it's an essential trace mineral. Um, there's this vicious cycle that happens when you eat too much sugar. It decreases your chromium levels, um, which makes you crave more sugar, and so it goes on. Um, so you, you know, that can be helpful. Certainly, talk to your practitioner about that. Cinnamon is also great. Um, vitamin D. So get your dose of sunlight. Um, the 2008 Journal of Diabetes found that lower levels of uh, vitamin B were associated with higher blood sugar levels and insulin resistance, AKA metabolic syndrome leading to diabetes. So, you know, vitamin D get out in the sunlight. Um, Vitamin B as well can help manage blood sugar levels. And let's talk as well now uh, quickly about the food labels,
0: because when you have um, purchased a, a packet and let's just say you've got something in your hand, We want you to know that manufacturers are very, very sneaky and very, very tricky. And what you will tend to find that when you're looking for sugar, you look for the first few items on the list and you can see that the first few components of your food is not sugar. Oh, good. And then you look down the list and you see maybe the name sucrose, dextrose. But the thing is, they might list sugar in different names as the seventh, eighth, ninth and tenth ingredient in the list which is really cheeky because you're looking for one keyword that's to trigger you off to think, oh, there's a sugar. But if you add up the cumulative amount of ingredient number 7, 8, and 9 in weight and volume, it may as well go to number 1. But they break up the sugars into different names and different forms so that you can put it in the product and it doesn't look like it's number 1 on the box, on yeah, the packet. it's
1: pretty clever. We'll put a really full list up on the Facebook page about this because there's over 100 different names that it can go by. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it can get pretty confusing And look,
0: at this point, I really do want to say, you're probably going to be sitting there thinking, okay, great solutions, that'll help me overcome my addiction, but I still have to bake a cake for the kids. I still, you know, need to make something tomorrow. If I'm not using sugar, what on earth am I using? And for those, I would really suggest you go, go online and start to look up your sugar-free recipes, start to see how people are doing it. There are so many wonderful people out there in the world who are consciously pushing forward, creating amazing recipes, making it simple for you to make good food, taste good without all the sugar. We're not the experts in terms of you know making recipes. That's not my forte. We're here as uh, spine nervous system experts, and that's what we do when we look at ways to support the, the great function of our spine and nervous system with the lifestyle we have. And that's why we care about sugar, because it has a cognitive effect on the brain we don't want you destroying your brain and we certainly don't want you destroying your nervous system we don't want you destroying your life in the process so you know that's why we say go out there there are other experts out there that can uh, talk you through what you need to know specifically about recipes or which substitutes or things like that but um just for you know argument's sake if you did want to use something the big one that everyone's using is rice malt syrup and the reason is that it's 100 percent fructose free So, you know, when we're talking about fructose and glucose, the nasty one in all this game is actually fructose and uh, confusion lies because fruit has fructose in it, you know, but then again, we're looking at a natural source versus a synthetic or a um, dried out component of food products. So fruit
1: also contains all the the minerals um, and the antioxidants that help you to digest fiber and and use it properly. So that includes if you're juicing all your fruits Um, you're not getting those benefits so just keep that in mind yeah so look keep it simple
0: cut out the things you can cut out let's go with you know removing just start with soft drinks if you cut out soft drinks you could lose up to four kilos a year scientifically shown you know and that's just crazy um you know so cut down things where you add sugar if you normally make your cup of tea and you have two teaspoons in there go for one go for none you know Cut that down. If you're making a recipe and the cake recipe says one cup of raw brown sugar, cut that down to half and see if it actually still tastes good because you'll find that it does. The The more sugar you cut down, the more sensitive your tongue taste buds are to sugar it. So things start to taste better anyway. The more you add, the more you drown the taste buds out, the more you keep wanting to add. And this is how the cycle has become that everything is more and more and more and more sweetened. So that's also another great solution. You can use stevia. It's a natural plant. Um, Obviously, there's lots of powders and tablets out there now that you can dip into coffees and things like that. I have a curiosity about that. I don't think you know the processing uh, of those things will retain any value, but it's a sweetener without the effects on the blood glucose that uh, the sugar and sucrose has, so that's a really good option as well. And um, oh, look, as you know, maple syrup is something as well coming from plants, but then again, you know, you're looking at uh, highly purified, highly industrialized, highly extracted
1: where's the health benefit left at the end of the day when it sits on the shelf for 18 months so this has been an absolute you know wealth of information there I know we're, we've gone over time a bit here guys so let's try and wrap up now um, I really hope that there's no ambiguity around whether or not sugar is good for us the the amount is questionable if you have a serious addiction to sugar. Um, if you find that cutting back does not help you at all, if you set those guidelines and say, oh, I'm just going to eat less and you cannot do it, then you need really clear unambiguous guidelines about what you can have and what you can't. That's exactly what I have to do. Um, I have, over the last four weeks, have cut out sugar completely, except for you know small amounts of fruit. That's what works for me because I don't have the control mechanism to just go, oh, I'm cutting back. Um, enroll your friends and your loved ones in it. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them you need them to support you in that. Um, be prepared. So Making sure that you're prepared for those mid-afternoon dips. It's all harder at the start, but it does get easier and it does get easier quickly. Um, and yeah, Ashley, is there anything else that you want to add? Oh yeah. Just remember that it is a serious addiction. It lights up the brain just like hard drugs do. Um, if you're quitting smoking, you can't be a half smoker and half kind of smoke. You're still a smoker. And I, I think the same, same goes with sugar as well. Um, but that's entirely up to you as to how you know, how you want to address this.
0: Yeah, we just want you to understand that a lot of, you know, the health concerns that we have as women, hormonally, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, sugar's a really nasty trap. You know, it's really affecting a lot of us without us realising. And for us that do realize maybe we know yes sugar's bad for it, just like myself, and then we just don't do enough to make that shift. But look, I'm making my commitment to you guys. As of this day fourth, I'm gonna be looking at a thirty day you know, no sugar lifestyle. It's gonna be a huge challenge. I won't right. lie to you. I hope that in the future episodes I can talk to you and say, look, just how it's going. I know it's gonna to be tough, but look, the reading and research I've done over these last, you know, weeks leading up to this episode has just so strongly flicked a switch in my brain that said you need you need to do this. You have to do this. So if you guys are on board with this, I would love you to jump on Facebook and say yes, I'm on board too. Um, put your hand up and say I, I'm I'm in because then we can all support each other on that journey. Um, and I will be honest, you know, I will hopefully not be able to crack it. But uh, when I do crack it and snap, you know, hopefully my husband understands why because <laughs> I'm going to tell him why. I'm going to tell him all about the challenge that I'll be doing for myself. And by 30 days, I'm sure that I'll have an opportunity to say awesome you know this is possible it can be done and keep it up you know that's going to be the next challenge so guys stay online with us you know stay connected i want you to find out how i'm going i would really love to find out if you guys agree that sugar's really bad and from this day forth you're going to do something about it and you're going to you know quit and you're going to cut it down and i would love to to share that journey with you so jump online to facebook the wellness women um come and join us you know online chats it's it's all there for you we would love to uh certainly see you at any live events we have so keep online with our homepage and our our facebook page and obviously our uh, our website as well so we will see you next week um hopefully have a sugar-free week low on the cravings and just remember a few of those little tricks and we really know you can succeed in your health goals by doing uh, a few small
1: small changes each day and each week awesome i can't wait to hear you doing and i will totally support you through this as well i'll do it with you that's great Um, and we'll see you guys next week be well